The first reading is Basket from Cynthia Grady's book, I Lay My Stitches Down. Each night, I take my patches, blocks, and scraps of fabric from the basket by the chair. My thimble, thread, and needle comfort me. I lay my stitches down, and troubles fall away. Before too long, I'm breathing with the rhythm of my quilting, listening wide with every fiber of my soul, the praise songs of my people, voices of my kin, drum beats of my motherland form the threads that weave the fabric of my life. Weaving the threads of the fabric of our lives. In 1859, a woman named Dinah Miller was kidnapped from West Africa and brought to Gee's Bend, Alabama on an illegal slave ship. And she carried with her a quilt made by her mother. This quilt had symbols of ancient quilting patterns and traditions from West Africa. And Dinah passed these skills down to her children and her grandchildren. In most of the South during this time, it was illegal for enslaved people to gather in groups. But one exception to this was quilting circles. And these quilting circles became places for women to gather together for love and resistance, to share oral history, to share current news, and to pass down these skills of quilting. Now, G's Bend was very isolated, and so many of these traditions of quilting from West Africa remained constant because they weren't influenced by many other traditions from around the world. To make these quilts, the women used scraps of material from dresses and linens that they made for the slave owners, and they used old clothes. Now, when slavery ended and the area became a sharecropping area, the owners of the plantation fell into debt, and the sharecroppers also fell into debt. And during the Great Depression, the, de the people who owed this money to the creditors allowed the creditors to come in to G's Bend and just take everything that wasn't nailed down. It was such a desperate situation that the Red Cross came in and offered emergency food assistance to the people of G's Bend. And they opened up some farming cooperatives. Now, during the Civil Rights Movement, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. visited G's Bend, and a group of women decided that they could help the cause by selling their quilts. And they founded the Freedom Quilting Bee and raised money for voting rights work. Uh, today, descendants of Dinah Miller still gather in a collective to quilt, to teach and learn and heal, so that their community might be an example for the wider world. Remembering these ancient quilting traditions, remembering the strength and resiliency of their ancestors, making a way where there is no way, and remembering that love and justice is work we do together. Amen. The second reading is the Apilarista 
by Marjorie Agosin from her Scraps of Life, Chilean Aparillas. The Apilarista, artisan of remains, burns with rage and cold as she tenderly picks through the remnants of her dead, salvages the shroud of her husband, the trousers left after the absences, submerges herself in cloth of foaming, silent blood, and though she is fragile, she grows large. Sovereign over her adobe hut, her rabid scraps, and determined to tell her story truer than the tale woven by her sister, Philomena. Disruptive and beautiful, she puts together her flayed remnants like a greenish forgotten skin, and with her disguised thimble hidden in the pocket of her modest apron and her harmless needle, she conjures up victorious armies, embroiders humble people smiling, become triumphant, brings the dead back to life, fabricates water, bell towers, schools, dining rooms, giant suns, and a cordillera of the Andes, peaks opening like portals of the splendid city. Disruptive and beautiful, she puts together her flayed remnants. In the early 1970s, in Chile, in South America, it was an exciting time. There was a new president, and then there was a coup. A man named General Pinochet took over the government. He censored many books. People were not allowed to gather. Everyone who spoke out against this new government was arrested. There was a woman named Violet, and her brother Norman went to protest in the streets, and he was taken. He was taken along with about 2,000 other people. And the women went asking, where are our brothers? Where are our husbands? Where are our sons? And they were threatened with silence. And so the women began to quilt. They began to take the clothes of their loved ones who had disappeared, and they cut them into pieces. And they used these scraps to quilt squares of stories. They quilted the names of their loved ones who were missing. They quilted stories of what was happening with the government, of the rights that were being lost. They used these clothes and these stories, and sometimes they put pockets in the back and snuck letters and notes. And these small quilts began to be smuggled out of the country. And the women gathered in safe places around the cities, sometimes on top of churches, and they sewed together. And they kept speaking, and they kept telling the stories of their loved ones, and they would sew a quilt before going out into the streets for nonviolent protests to make sure that the story would be written down even if they too were arrested and disappeared. Now these groups were at first considered not a threat, but eventually as more and more of the aparillas were sent out of the country and smuggled out, word began to spread and people began to hear what was happening. 
began to hear about torture and people being left in prisons and people never being heard from again. And other people from around the world began to travel to Chile to witness and to help and to gather with the women. The women started not just to sew, but to work on skills like accounting, to work on business cooperatives, to work on other ways of supporting themselves in their communities. Though she is fragile, she grows large. These groups met together to do the work of love and justice in a collective, in a unit to heal and to teach, to remember and to welcome, because the work of justice is work that we do together. Amen. Our third reading this morning is from the EZLN Declaration of October 2018. What we are weaving is organization, the territory we defend, the language we speak and refuse to lose, the identity we do not forget and which we grow through our struggle. But all of these things are also what the owners of money need, things they will destroy in the process of converting them into more money, things they will commodify through exploitation, poverty, sickness, and the death of many, many millions of people, not just our peoples, but others who live in the cities and countryside. In other words, it is not true either that repression, displacement, disrespect, and death are only happening to us as originary peoples. What we are weaving is organization, because it is not true that repression, displacement, disrespect, and death are only happening to us as originary peoples. So says the Declaration of the Zapatistas, a movement of indigenous people from Chiapas, Mexico, people struggling for justice and in support of the poor. In the 1990s, the Mexican government began seizing the resource-rich land from the indigenous people of Chiapas in order to grow bigger monocrops and to compete with the agricultural markets of the United States and Canada. This is around the time of NAFTA, the North American Free Trade Agreement. The Zapatistas rose up in resistance, forming both armed and unarmed groups, weaving organization to defend their territory, to hold on to their language, and to maintain their indigenous identities. The Mexican government responded with brutal violence. But the Zapatistas used the new World Wide Web to communicate with people in other countries about what was happening to them. See, the trading markets between the United States, Canada, and Mexico made it difficult for traditional farmers and weavers in Chiapas to support themselves. A woman named Maria helped form the House of Women, a weaving cooperative to share ancient weaving knowledge, to pass down oral history, share materials and techniques, and most importantly, to set fair prices for their highly skilled work. And over the decades, partnerships have grown with organizations in the United States, in Canada, and all over the world people supporting our interdependent web of creation, 
lifting up indigenous rights, working toward a planet transformed by our care, imagining abundance and equity for all, thinking about what will we risk, what does love mean, joining with all people whose rights are denied, and taking a risk in seemingly the most innocent ways, using needle and thread, loom and warp, risking it all for the love of the world, remembering that love and justice is work that we do together. <laughs>